Алекса, стоп. Это подкаст about how technology is changing our lives. With Robert Belgrave and Jim Bowles. Robert Belgrave, how the devil are you? It's Alexa Stop. We're here for our festive episode in 2018. How are you? It feels like a lifetime since I've been in a studio with you. It does. It feels right somehow to be back in the studio on Shoreditch High Street on this festive December day. Looking forward to welcoming our fantastic guest who is his here off mic wearing, well, it's sort of like a Pokemon <laughs> onesie. <laughs> A reindeer onesie adorned with waistcoat. Mr. Pete Trainer is back to talk to us about many f- interesting, fascinating things from the world of AI. Our first, first returning guest. Our first returning ever. guest. And the, and the end of season one, but we'll come to that later on. How have you been, Jim? I hear you've uh, been down the stock exchange. I have, yeah. Manifesto as part of the panoply has uh, floated on the London Stock Exchange. It's been a big week for me, but we also had an Alice in Wonderland themed Christmas party. What did you go as? I went as uh, David Bowie. Okay, how was that? It doesn't really relate to the story, but I just wanted a big sort of, you know, lightning bolt on my face. Um, we made the place UV. We had shisha. We, you know, we, we partied the night away. In true agency fashion, manifesto Christmas parties are always fantastic. And it, of course, it ended outside an off-license in Dalston searching for a venue that's open with a can of Red Stripe. As is right. But now you're the uh, CEO of a PLC, or, or sorry, a group company in a PLC and the innovation director for a PLC. Does that mean you can't like misbehave anymore? No, I can do whatever I want on this podcast. Alexa Stop remains as it was. And of course, I did see you for Mexican food. We cooked together on Saturday night. We did indeed. We made a selection of fine tacos. I think the fish was my favorite. But uh, the sea bream. The sea bream. I think maybe we should move on. Yeah? Yeah. Do you not want to talk about our tacos? They were homemade tacos, Rob. They were good. They were good. But I think the news is more important. But before we move on to the news, or rather as part of the news, I think a moment of silence for our dear friend, Roger the Muscly Kangaroo, who sadly passed away today. That is sad. It's really sad. If you've never heard of Roger, just open up Google right now and stick in Roger the Muscly Kangaroo. It makes me slightly sadder than when Steve Irwin passed away. I mean, it was really sad, but... It gave an amazing opportunity to his children, didn't it? Yeah, they've got their own series these days. So, you know, the Irwins live on in our hearts and in our dreams and in our satellite channels. I feel like this is bad taste. Okay, Jim, a news jingle, please, for our fantastic listeners. Holy moly, jingle, jingle, it's the news, it's the news, jingle, jingle, it's the news. With an extra jingly festive slant. And our, our first story this month is the Where's Wally robot. Where is Wally? Where is Wally? I mean, I think I, I think I'm looking at him. What? <laughs> Hang on. Have you uh, have you seen the robot? I've not seen the robot. No. So this was an amazing piece of sort of machine learning meets robotics. They used an image recognition algorithm and a robotic hand uh, and a little camera, and you can show any page of a Where's Wally book to the little camera, and almost immediately the robotic hand will point out where Wally is on the page for you. What I noticed then was, Rob, that your hand when you were doing the impression of the robot, which won't come across in the podcast, it was slightly limp, slightly limp in the wrist. Was that how this robot behaved? Check it out. It's exactly how it was. It sort of it sort of started with the sort of salt bay arm and then cranked down like a sort of pile driver to where Wally was on the page. So Is that, it a, li- a little that, bit like an arcade grabber machine? Exactly. But, do, you, do, you think, do you think we've described that? Effectively. Adequately. Adequately, yeah. Um, okay. And what do you feel about this? Is this something that takes us forward as a society? Yeah, I mean, it t- certainly takes the fun out of Where's Wally, but I thought it was cool. Yeah, do you think Where's Wally needs to get... You know, do you remember when we talked about um, the facial recognition makeup that you can wear? 
So the, there's that uh, picture of a Russian chap that had some black oh, the, lines the stuff, on his face. The like dystopian blocking reflective stuff. Yeah, yeah so yeah. do you think like Where's Wally needs to get some of that makeup? <laughs> now that is dystopia, isn't it? Where, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely what Where's Wally needs. So our second news story of December is, well, I mean, there's no real easy way of saying this. A man got married to a hologram. And is that a legally binding marriage? Apparently it is. What, really? What country do you reckon that was in? I mean, I could put a guess at Japan. <laughs> yep. Our good friends from Japan. Oh, what can I tell you? Around 40 guests watched as the uh, young man tied the knot with Miku. And, um, and is he confident that she wasn't already married? Apparently. And uh, Miku is an animated 16-year-old with saucer eyes and lengthy aquamarine pigtails. I mean, to be honest, I think she's too young to get married. Well, I mean, at least that probably helps answer the question about whether she was previously married. But um, apparently his parents didn't approve. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, is that because they couldn't go to a physical venue to enjoy this experience? Well, apparently they refused to uh, attend the, uh, the, the physical venue where the ceremony took oh, place. Oh, so it did happen in a physical apparently venue? Apparently so, yeah. Because I guess yeah, there was just, she was virtual. Yeah, and you know, he, he, he kindly said to AFP, I've never cheated on her. I've always been in love with Mikusam. Uh, what else did he say? He said, I've been thinking about her every day. I hope they have wonderful children together. Me too. Who are we to mock? Maybe it's the future. Yeah, could be. I mean, maybe they'll be very, very happy. Um, who programs her? I don't know. You could have some fun with that, couldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you could buy a Pete trainer. <laughs> Pete's got his hand up. Uh, okay, let's move on. And... Uh, the, the last story from the news this month, I think we're going to try and keep the news relatively short for this episode because we want to talk to our great guest, is somebody has come up with this idea of flying trains, which I just thought was the most ridiculous thing uh, because we've heard from Nick Earl on our Hyperloop episode, Oh Look, It's a Train, what the future of trains actually looks like. And these guys have decided that really what you need is a huge mechanical thing sort of tethered to a track that when the train gets moving takes off into the air and sort of flies above a track and then comes back down again at the stations. What on earth is the point of that? I have absolutely no idea. It sounds but entirely pointless. It seems pretty pointless to so me. So the track is still there, yeah. but it's just decided to float above the track. Yeah. Is that so you don't... So if one needs to overtake another, it can go under it, can it? I mean, I, my only assumption... going to get caught? My only assumption is the train was this kind of huge, quite wide vehicle in the, in the CGI mock-up. So I guess you could have quite a thin track without the need for like the width of this huge vehicle, but you could get hundreds and hundreds of people onto this massive thing and you just need big stations. So it'd have a bit of a run-up and then it would take off right. and then it would drop down again. Seems I don't ridiculous. think this is going to happen. No, it, nor do I. And so on that note, let's move on, shall we? What would you like to tackle next? Have you got a story from your CTO? I do indeed. As always, we bring you a story from the fantastic CTO of Wirehive. And this month, we've been moving office. Have you heard about our new office? You told me that you were getting a new office, and I have seen one photograph of a, an office that looks like an office that isn't ready yet. That, that's about right. So uh, my business, Wirehive, has had a great year. We've been growing quick, more quickly than we can handle, really. And as a result, we need more space because we've run out of desks. And so we're moving into a lovely new office. And so our CTO decided, you know, maybe you could take some photos of the build as it's going on. Of course, very interesting. That would be we nice. We all want to be Kevin McLeod. Yep. <laughs> Little, I mean, not really. Little but. piece to camera, <laughs> panning out drone shot. Yeah, that would be good. Or, you know, maybe you could go a step further and do a time lapse. That would yeah, be cool, okay. wouldn't it? It's interesting to see some electricians wiring a socket. 
really, really sped up. I mean, I would enjoy that. You would enjoy that. Yeah. Pete, I would en- you would enjoy that. He's, he's not sure. <laughs> we'll ask him shortly. Imagine seeing a man put on a Rudolph onesie sped up. <laughs> that would be fantastic. But no, what our CTO has done, and I will say, unfortunately, it is fantastic. I was very skeptical, but it really is great. He's gone out and got a GoPro Fusion. GoPro, please do send us your sponsorship money if you're listening. We are looking for sponsors for the series <laughs> from January, and we'd be delighted to do any kind of work to demonstrate your products yeah. and services anywhere in the world. <laughs> GoPro have a camera called the Fusion, which is a 360 camera. And what uh, our CTO does is he's been doing walk rounds every couple of days. So he'll go and he'll with this sort of 360 camera on a stick, do a walk around and stick it on a unlisted video on YouTube. So our team can sort of keep tabs on what's going on. And I was like, car dude, you're wasting a load of time here. What's the point? But actually the team love it. I've been really enjoying it. And we'll end up with this amazing like pile of footage that from which we can cut a really nice kind of t- pseudo time-lapse of, of, of all the different shots. And so, to be honest, if you were an office construction company, that would be a really valuable piece of footage. Uh, but uh, as a tech company, I mean, maybe you should sell it to an office construction company. Uh, yes. So what can I tell you? I can tell you that if you want to do an overzealous recording of your office build, buy yourself a GoPro, or maybe just get one for your next ski or surf trip or whatever it's actually intended for but a fantastic bit of tech all the same and of course it would make a fabulous christmas gift to your ceo from a cto so that's my suggestion is what you receive as a, i don't know an mp4 file on christmas day right and uh, let's move it along shall we so as always we would like to talk a little bit about something from the hype curve yes do, do, I, do we do a jingle for this we don't think it's we do been, a jingle. it's been so long jim's forgotten the jingle is uh, there a jingle i don't think there is a jingle is there <laughs> It's something from the hype curve. There it is. I, I, is. Is that what we do? I think so. Is it? I don't. I don't think we have a jingle for this bit. <laughs> I'll have to well, listen to an we, episode. We do now. Well, Jim, I can tell you there is something from the hype curve for us to discuss, and what? It, it is a top trend that is uh, predicted to be key on the hype curve for next year, which is do-it-yourself biohacking. Oh my goodness! Is that where you can biohack yourself? It, is yeah. it like the optimized self taken into the biosphere? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, look. The, the idea of this sort of transhuman movement where hacking technology and biology together and extending our humanity is becoming increasingly popular. And the prediction is that the technology has got so mature that in 2019, people will now be able to knock up these sensors and chips and, and augmentations themselves and insert them into their own bodies. I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong. And of course, we've talked about the professor at the University of Reading before, who was one of the early people to stick a sensor in his fingers. There is a train company in Sweden offering the opportunity to put your season ticket into a chip. So it's just an extension of those things, but it's going to get more exciting. Maybe we'll have temperature sensors. uh, Maybe we'll have positive mental index sensors in our fingers. Who knows? Yeah, I mean... I think the the ones people are really excited by are early detection diseases, apparently, is quite a, quite a common one. So cancer, smallpox, stuff like that, which would be pretty cool. Um, Do you really want to know? Uh, yeah, as we've established from my DNA reveal, I'm pretty keen to know, but I can understand why some people would prefer not to. And I tell you what, since that you did that, I've actually done my DNA test, and I've also sent a poo sample away uh, and had my poo tested for my micro biome kind of stats i've not really okay. prepared the results to talk about but we could talk about that on the next episode <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll getting some poo into a box <laughs> is a funny thing to do and posting it have you ever posted your poo 
<laughs> several times says Pete on a rugby tour no, I, ha- I have not and I'm not sure I want to hear any more about yours either so uh, why don't we talk about the other things that people love building chips to put in their bodies for the other one is uh, blood alcohol which I think would be good can I drive get my phone out yes I can that would be nice wouldn't it about this time of year you've been to the staff party had a couple not sure if you can drive home just stay for another and don't drive <laughs> yep I suppose that's also an option so I don't know I- Maybe have a think about what you would do. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Alexa underscore stop. What would you add to your body if you could? Something magical. We'll find out. Something magical. And talking of tech that we'd like to bring back, I said that's tech we'd like to bring back. Actually, in this Christmas episode, it's about tech that I want. Festive tech that you want. What would you like, Jim? I would like to augment my reality. And the Christmas gift that I want, if I was an eight-year-old this Christmas, or maybe a 38-year-old, which I am, uh, is an Iron Man Marvel face mask with, that you can wear, insert your phone into, and create an augmented reality game all around you. So, let me get this straight. You put a thing on your head. Ba-doom. Right. And then you slot your phone into it. Yep. And you turn into, like, this person in this whole... Turns your whole house into a world of game action. And so you get, it, like, the... Is it Jarvis, the Iron Man robot? So you get, like, a, a heads-up display... And you can see things going on and there's like little bits of shoot 'em up game action and you get points for like, you right. know. Can you shoot stuff with your hand laser? I imagine you can. Can you hover about on your jet boots? You can, you can do that either way. Can you break out of a homogenized terrorist base camp in the desert somewhere? You can, but it's kind of like the back of your sofa. And if you're really lucky, there might be some Toblerone left over. Do you get a God rest his soul Stanley cameo thrown in for Flea? Uh, no, it's an extra one ninety nine. Okay, great. Sounds good. Uh, available at Argos and other stores of a similar nature. And actually, um, Pete Trainer accidentally bought one because I was showing it to him. Uh, just didn't, look, didn't look that accidental to me. <laughs> you know, the, the magic of one click ordering this fe- this festive period. Indeed, dangerous times. And so, I think let's bring the man, the legend, Mr. Pete Trainer, into the studio to enjoy a festive interview and to hear about his recent certification that he's received. I just can't wait to talk to him about blockchain. Welcome back to the Alexa Shop Studio, everybody. We are joined by a reindeer onesie adorned, waistcoat over the top, Mr. Pete Trainer. Hello. Hello, Pete. Hello, boys. Whoop, whoop. How How's you doing? Going? Yeah, good. You? I'm not too bad. I'm just in a onesie. My daughter said to me this morning, what are you doing this evening? Why aren't you coming home? And I said, I'm going to be on a podcast. She said, will you wear the onesie for me? So I'm wearing the onesie. And she's not quite worked out that podcasts don't have visual. So I feel like we should take a photo. We'll send her a, little, we'll send her a little short short movie that we'll cut right now. She'd be really proud. But I've, I, yeah, I have a face for podcast. I mean, that's why I can get away with that's this That's a little unfair. Jim Bowes is taking a picture of me. Thank it's you. true. And, and cheers, gentlemen. We, cheers. We're drinking, as it is our festive episode. We'll, we'll make a clinking noise authentically for you. Those are our Thanks, lovely Jim. bottles of beer clinking together as Jim tries to take an awkward photo of us. I did, this is my second episode, isn't it? It is. So this is our final episode of our first season of Alexa Stop. And you, Pete, are our only returning guest. And when we were thinking, who would we love to come and help us finish off what's been an amazing adventure for this first season? Really, there was only one person we were going to call. And it was you. You are far too kind. Who are you, you going to call? We had somebody way more interesting than me last time with me as well, didn't we? With uh, last time. I don't know about that, but she was great. She, she was amazing. She was great. So I mean, it's a real privilege to be back twice. 
And what have you been up to? Lots and lots and lots of stuff. Can I just make a, a, a quick uh, remark about your story about DNA testing earlier? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. You, and maybe heard? the Japanese marriage, I think you had a comment on as well. I, I've got several comments <laughs> about that one. Um, DNA first. Did you, uh, so an amazing, amazing story that I heard from America a couple of weeks ago, only in America, um, about a lady that did 23andMe. Okay. Spat into her tube, sent it off, uh, got her results back, lost her login details... Uh, and then subsequently, uh, you know where you go. You know where I'm going. Carry on. This is a great subsequently, story. Uh, instead of requesting her login details, requested a new pack, and then spat in the tube, did the DNA test again, got a second profile. The first thing that came back on her profile was uh, exact DNA match, twin sister. Um, <laughs> she then, she then, way, I've got a twin sister. I didn't know I had. Amazing. Uh, her kids then helped her kind of run this social media campaign to track down her twin sister across America. Six months they can't write this stuff. Six you? months they looked for this twin sister before they realised the, the 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 DNA match was her first profile. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Which I just thought it was amazing. I just thought it was amazing. I, I I love that story so much. I love that story so much. It's got a beautiful piece of sort of customer experience uh, to it of like a. You know, just the magic of technology just, just like, leading people astray. Is, can you imagine her face when she worked out that it was herself? Was she disappointed? Was she relieved? Well, my suspicion is it was probably one of her children that had to break it to her when they realised what had happened. Amazing. Mum, I'm just, there's no, there's no easy way to tell you this. this I, I also love this idea that, you know, potentially in a couple of months, a couple of years maybe, uh, you know, 23andMe are basically going to allow kind of DNA clones of yourself. So that lady can actually have the twin sister that she didn't get. She should get one free. <laughs> she should get a free, t- Maybe a that'll free be twin a t- sister. 20 years from now, that'll be a tick box. Would exactly. you like a clone sent through the mail? <laughs> yes, I would. Part of the acquisition, oh, free story. twin sister. Oh, I mean, I on the story. cloning front, I have a friend who listens to this, who has a dog he absolutely adores. Like, you know, his great love in life is this amazing dog that he's got. And he knows who he is if he's listening, and I'm sure he is. And he genuinely would, if he could clone that dog so when his days unfortunately come to an end he could have another one exactly the same wouldn't you no have you loved a pet no well i have a dog called archie archie comes into work with me uh, every couple of days uh, archie's amazing uh no like you can't be sentimental about these things can you no well i do I, i'm actually like he's only a year old and i do love he's got ages yeah, give it nine years ages. give it nine years but uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to the day i get a little bit of taxidermy actually <laughs> <laughs> have you have you seen that book uh, Bad Taxidermy? That Bad blo- Taxidermy, love it. Yeah, that's a, a, a blog and then turned into a exactly. book. Um, the idea that Archie can play a little violin at some point. I just <laughs> it's pretty exciting. It's, it's the, actually more exciting than a clone of Archie. The Austrians are quite partial to a bit of taxidermy of like a mountain scene. So they'll have them like <laughs> Looking like mountain climbers with a little scarf and like a rucksack and maybe a badly made pair of skis. I think that's what they would want. Pete, do you think your wife would like you taxidermied? Well, funny you should say that, Jim. Uh, I'm not joking. My wife will be listening to this. Uh, Fact, in our wheels, I have taxidermied down uh, inside a suit of armour. So uh, (laughs) so we we had this debate. Can't you just buy a suit of armour? It doesn't really matter if you're inside it then. No, no, no. Well, so you had this joke, right, for for years that, you know, when I die, I would quite like to be taxidermied or like body worked. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who's that crazy... He's an Austrian guy as well, isn't he? That does the weird bodyworks thing. Okay, anyway, yeah. I said, that would be kind of cool. She said, I do not want you on a plinth in the corner of our room. So I said, I'll just go inside a suit of armour because that would be cool as well. Uh, so in our last will and testament, it says, I will be taxidermied and inside, 
inside a, a, a suit of armor. So there you go. So yes. and, and one very important question before we move on to how technology is changing our lives. Will the suit of armor have a waistcoat over the top? I, I hope so. I, I, I think... It I think has it would, to, right? It would be right, wouldn't yeah, it? it would be right. It would be right. Okay, that was important. Very important. These are the important conversations. I'm fascinated by whether there's anything else that you would consider unusual in your will. Uh, there are a few things, but I, we probably haven't got time to go through my last will and testament right now. That would be uh, a good podcast, though, wouldn't it? It would be. Going through different people's wills. Will and... Te- yeah, it's a very personal thing. It is a very personal thing. But yeah, taxidermy... Taxidermying me is in my last will and testament. Okay. Our solicitor was not impressed. I don't, you know, I've, <laughs> where do you go from that, Rob? I've been you know, talking to someone about media training recently, and this is the moment where you pivot. So, <laughs> so let's pivot, shall we? Talking of death, Rob, I'm going to make this pivot harder for you. Okay. I've always intended, personally, to host my own funeral, so I intend to pre-record <laughs> a set of material uh, so that I can be on the screen, because I've just always wanted the opening line, I'm really sorry I can't be there today. Um, and that, that's why I've, uh, that's been always been my aim at my own funeral. Or, or a hologram. At or some point in the next couple of years, exactly. Apparently. So, That's what's something going on in Japan, apparently. And it's getting I, more exciting, yeah. I mean, either we're very, very good broadcasters, or this is a total coincidence, but we are segueing quite nicely into some of the stuff you've been up to. Oh, yeah, we've been up to some really interesting projects this year. I mean, I'm going to say let's get it out of the way, not because it's not an amazing story, but because it's quite emotional. So let's talk about it. Let's let's meet the elephant in the room head on. What's been okay. going on? Uh, so we, we've been doing lots and lots of work this year. Um, some amazing stuff. So that you know, uh, we're an AI business. We do some really interesting stuff for corporate clients, but we also do as much uh, CSR and interesting side hustles as we can. And I assume you're talking about my project with James. I am indeed. Uh, so a, a very dear, I'm going to get emotional. A uh, very dear friend of mine passed away in April this year, James. And for the year before he passed away, he was 24 years old when he passed away. We had been recording and cataloging his memories. Um, he had a debilitating condition called epidermabolysis bullosa, which is a real mouthful, especially after a couple of beers. Um, and it basically means he was he was born without the collagen in his skin. So it was this horrible, like, you know, genetic condition that he was born with. So we've just spent the last couple of years with James cataloging everything that was inside his head is the plan. And now what was really interesting about this project is if you can do it for somebody like James, you can do it for other clients and stuff. So we'd have this principle that if we can solve a problem for one, we can solve it for many. Solve it for James, catalogue his brain, then we can then take that off to our corporate clients and so on and so forth, and they can catalogue their knowledge. So it's like a knowledge storage system that we've been developing using AI. Right. Really, really, really interesting project. He passed away this year, but we've got this incredible corpus of information that is the essence of my dear friend and collaborator, James. It's a just, it was just a really, really beautiful project. His parents have been behind it. Me and James collaborated on it. Sort of a digital legacy, right? Was the uh, yeah, exactly. And what was ironic about that in the entire thing is that, you know, this started a couple of years ago when me and James were talking about legacy. What does legacy look like? And he couldn't quite understand why people were putting so much of themselves on social media, you know, posting everything and vlogging this and doing that without a purpose, without a reason. He really struggled with this idea of just kind of indiscriminately like chucking pictures of your food up online or, you know, tweeting about the weather or whatever it is for a man that's lived with a condition that means that every day could possibly be his last. His idea of legacy is 
much more pointy, which certainly changed my perspective on a huge amount of the stuff that I do online and the huge amount of the data that I generate and so on and so forth. Incredible. And we did. And we've built this, uh, this really amazing archive of uh, a really amazing person. Um, there's a punchline coming for this one in a minute as well. Okay. I've got two stunned faces in front of me. Well, I know like, I've got a question, but like I was now waiting for your punchline. So yeah. I, was, I guess, um, so James originally participated in a program called The Big Life Fix. That's right, yeah. Uh, and one of the things that you mentioned, and, and on that program they created, um, he's really into photography, uh, and they created a camera that he could use more easily. And, and one of the things that you mentioned um, when we were chatting before we yeah. started recording was that you discovered 350 gigabytes of photos that he'd taken. Yeah, I mean, closer to 500 gigabytes. I mean, it was an astonishing archive. We... Um, uh, I got really close to his parents, uh, still really close to his parents, and they basically are technophobes and understand all this kind of stuff. And they said, um, after his funeral, you know, let's try and work out if there's anything on his hard drives that we, you know, should know about or, you know, uh, subscriptions that we should cancel and so on and so forth. We managed to hack into his computer and we find this kind of archive of photos, like 500 like gigabytes of photography that he's taken using this camera that they created for him on the show. Portraits of Danny DeVito, portraits of Davina McCall and Cheryl Cole and David Hay and Tom Holland, the kid that plays Spider-Man. Like it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And what was incredible is how directed this young man has been at using digital to create a positive archive of everything that he was Kind of ironically, when I guess the rest of us are, are, are chucking it about without any real purpose, do you know what I mean? And uh, it was amazing, amazing. I think what really stood out for me, so I, look, I'm, I've been aware of James for some time. I saw The Big Life Fix years ago, and we also interviewed Emma Lawton on this podcast, uh, who was on the same episode, actually, weirdly, hmm. with her amazing watch that helped with her Parkinson's tremor. And I think the some of the interviews I've seen with James, the thing that really stuck out for me was the, like you said, this sort of, consciousness of fragility and how that focused his mind on I guess living for the day and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. but how that transferred contextually to digital and, and technology it was like like you say like if you're gonna post a photo don't post a photo of your breakfast like yeah, yeah, yeah. go so, take a photo of something amazing or if you're gonna share something yeah share something positive you know he, he was relentlessly positive wasn't he and his whole his whole sort of yeah I guess one of the ways he survived and was so was happy really as happy as he could be and given his circumstance was that he was always smiling and he was very upbeat and he had this kind of positive mental attitude and his outlook on life i mean one of i think one of his interviews he says you know if you're walking down the street in london smile at somebody make their day and you know to most londoners that's an abhorrent suggestion yeah yeah, yeah. but it, it really focuses you on on being thankful for everything you have and and for every moment you, you spend on this earth so it's I mean, he's a, a, a wonderful opportunity to talk about a wonderful person on a podcast like this. But yeah, I mean, he in, he infected me in a way that I was not expecting. So we became friends because of technology and the Big Life Fix. And I'm friends with Emma as well. And I was introduced to James 2016. And just and, and some people were going, you know, he's 23. You're kind of 46 at the time. You know, what's this strange connection that's going on? Like, And you go like, this is a lad who in his head was like it's like dog years you know yeah, he'd lived yeah, 75 yeah. years well, hadn't they told him he shouldn't have survived past oh, yeah. 10 i mean he'd already outdone the doctors by 10 yeah, years incredible yeah, yeah. and i learned so much from this this man that you know being able to do a project like this with somebody that uh, it's definitely changed the way that i look on the world it's definitely changed the way that we're developing technology 
obviously people that know me know that I've written about this. You know, it's in the book, you know, this human focused technology. Like James is the antithesis of that. Like right. it's just, he's there, right there in, in his kind of, his core was make it all worthwhile, make it all count. Yeah, awesome guy. And awesome. of course, as part of that, there was a piece of technology that you used called Bow. Yep. So the kind of, I guess the, the really interesting part of, of, of this was, you know, we weren't, we weren't really sure what we were going to do with this corpus of knowledge, this, this, this sort of data version of James. There's a bot that we built and um, uh, you can chat to it online, which is really interesting, a bit kind of bit weird, bit sort of dark. But last year we were at a conference and James said, what is that over there? And, and he'd seen this robot and it's a really, really, really beautiful piece of technology called Bo. It's just stunning. And I, we're going to talk about this later. I have a problem with you know, robots with arms and legs. I just think that's a bit weird. A robot should be a robot. Do you know what I mean? Like, a robot should be R2-D2. It doesn't have to be hum- human, you know, looking. He'd seen this machine in the corner called Bo. Uh, it's a really beautiful piece of technology created by a company called Botanus. And he said to me, and I could see it in his eyes, his beautiful sparkling blue eyes, he was like, what if we could put my knowledge in that? Could we then send that to the kind of places that he couldn't go to. Yeah. Sort of share his stories. Yeah, exactly. So it was presence, wasn't it? It was, it was this but, idea of like portable presence almost. Yeah. Uh, and also, you know, as part of the, the kind of joke, his wild, brilliant sense of humor was this body that I got born with is naff. Let's find a body for these memories that, you know, is mechanical, that has a, a better version of me to do more than humanly possible. And I just think... And we just went, yeah, fine. And the guys from Bots and Us were really good and they humoured us. And yeah, we did. We started to put James' memories inside this incredible kind of Ammons and Alexa on autonomous wheels. It was, it's a really interesting project. Challenges my view on what legacy means. Oh, it's, I, I, th- I mean, look, we could go in so many directions with this fascinating topic. I think how technology changes people's lives, right? I mean, for James, I think it changed the way he lived while he was with us completely, as he said many times. Without technology, he wouldn't have been able to get around, you know, motorized wheelchairs and technology to help him drive. and and, A semi-autonomous car. Yeah, I mean, insane, right? Some of that stuff. And then this idea of digital legacy and and this sort of footprint you leave behind. And and then you almost get onto the sort of future-facing stuff about you know, the singularity and would you transfer your consciousness to a machine if you yep. could so that you would knowingly or otherwise be able to live on and yeah, yeah, yeah. E- even for the, your, for the, for your loved ones and, and, and those around you, if, if not for yourself, I think it's such an interesting topic. Some of it, I mean, it gets a bit black mirror when you start going in that direction, but I mean, it challenges a lot of yeah, norms, doesn't it? Definitely. I, I think so amongst these challenges though, there is of course how the mainstream media still sort of depicts uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence and, and what is commonly available to say mass media. Yep. And one of the things I love, I've, I saw a talk that you did. One of the things that you and you have is a collection of bad stock photography oh, yeah. of robots. robot. It's growing in, it's growing in volume every day. And uh, uh, you know, so, so you've got like, you know, a robot wearing a hoodie they, they, they are that's, that's they the walk hack, amongst us that's the hacker robot a robot looking pensively out the window that there are lots of stock photographies of robots looking pensive but yeah. my personal favorite uh the robot that's wearing ar goggles or uh an oculus rift because oh. surely its eyes can already do that <laughs> shit let's, let's just let's unpack this one if you're a robot you kind of see in ar that that's what i imagine anyway yeah you're gonna be if you're, when the singularity happens, the robots wake up. It won't happen, but let's just roll with it. 
and you are given normal eyes, yeah. you're going to be a bit angry, aren't you? As a robot? As a robot. You're going to be like, I'm a robot. I can have any eyes I want and you gave me normal eyes. Where's my x-ray vision? Where's my AR goggles? I think like, there's going to be like this collection of, of robots that get together who are like really into like old school shit. And they're like, <laughs> I want real muscles on my arm. I, I, I want human muscles. I don't want my absolutely unfailing hydraulic arms. Just, oh, could you just like... And if you go like, why are all stock photography robots white? Yeah, they're all shiny, sort of gloss apple white, aren't they? Why? I don't know. Is it so you can take a whiteboard marker and draw on them? It's, it's a good question. So you can put uh, like a crash dummy uh, things on the side of the head. But, but they're no, sort of modelled on crash dummies, aren't they? It, I always think, look, we're kind of, it's an interesting debate. I think aliens are the same. If you think about the way aliens are depicted in all literature, sci-fi, it's always roughly the same image. And I think I think AI and robotics has sort of fallen into that trap of like, this is what everybody identifies as a robot. So now anything to do with robots, we'll just do that. And it's like, like you say, it's that sort of glossy white iRobot type thing. I have in my repertoire that I was showing Jim earlier, uh, a story from the Financial Times from a couple of weeks ago okay. of a, a, a group of uh, Chinese scientists constructing a robot at a trade show and it freaked the AI community out a little bit because it was a white plastic mannequin robot and these guys have basically <laughs> based their robot on stock photography. Oh, God. <laughs> so was, life is imitating art. I was suggesting they were in the middle of an interpretive dance and they were sort of tearing the arms off it and then spinning around and reattaching them. That's kind of what I was seeing. See. But this is like, this is horrible. Uh, it's going to happen, isn't it? People are going to go, that's what a robot should look like. Yeah. We have to be, you know, white plastic robots. Anyway. I mean, look, we could get onto the philosophical debate of is sci-fi predictive or do we replicate what, we, what we've seen? And, you know, it can't be a coincidence that so much of what happens in sci-fi ends up becoming reality, can it? One way or another? Common sense. We'd, I'd like to think we're a bit more sensible than... They did it on Star Trek. We'll do it like that. No, no, Gene Rodenbury. <laughs> You're wrong. It's interesting to like perhaps bring it back round to the, the story of James that we started with, you know, that, that some of though this relates to technology and hope as a concept. Mm -hmm. And um, and even this sort of the slightly fanciful versions, sci-fi versions of things which talk, talk to, you know, doing things in new or different ways are kind of a bit about hope, right? I, I think there's a lot about hope, but we also have to, you know, just touch on stupidity. And I think quite a lot of the stuff that goes on in the media is basically uh, stupid journalists and not data science people. So, you yeah. know, that, like science fiction's over there. Data science is actually quite boring. We don't need robots to look like us. We're weird. We have like weird appendages and stuff. We don't need robots to look like us. We don't need AR to mimic us. It can be more and better than we can do. So just put it over there. Talking about something completely different, last time that you were recording a podcast with us, uh, you took a momentous decision in your life, and Ooh. that decision was to invest for your children's future <sighs> in blockchain. I should just drop the mic and walk out right now. Robert Belgrave is looking at me like, how's, how's, uh, how's cryptocurrency going, Rob? Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, much cooler a year ago than it was today. In the, in the pub, after the last recording, I, I opened a... Coinbase uh, wallet and invested quite a substantial amount of £50 of my children's inheritance in cryptocurrency at Rob's advice. I think I'm like minus 20 now. So you basically rob £70 off my children. It's just weird, man. Like it's I mean, but you're not going to sell it today, are you? 
I'm going to sell it anywhere. Like it just it's we it's it's fairy currency. Rob is wrong. Blockchain, I understand. I get that. That's sensible grown-up stuff. The currency thing is just bizarre, and I'm I'm right. Uh, and I, I feel vindicated that, you know, 18 months later or whatever it is, I'm looking at a minus number every time I open my, my app. And Rob's looking. You look a bit embarrassed, actually, Rob. <laughs> Rob, have you got anything to say to Pete Trainer about... Well, no, no, say, not to me, um, to my children. What, what have you got to say to my children, I, Rob? Uh, if you're... If, hey, hey, kids. <laughs> if, if your dad understood how to trade economic instruments, he'd have made a lot of money. Uh, I've got stocks. I do CFDs. How are you doing on those? Doing really well, yeah. but your currency thing is just nonsense. I mean, you strike me as a long-term investor, Pete. I'm stood here in a reindeer onesie. I'm clearly not that clever, but what I do know is that what you've sold to me is a complete fallacy. It's nonsense. It makes no sense whatsoever. If I can't buy milk in Sainsbury's with cryptocurrency, it's trash. Okay. There is some, I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to. I'm just going to concede today. But Pete, I like the fact that Rob's Pete, got to the end of 2018 and he knows his place. I look. I look forward to having this conversation with you in a year, and in two, and in three. Uh, is my 50 pound investment going to be worth like a thousand pounds? Yes, I think so. Ah, you heard it here. I'm, not I'm, financial I'm giving, advice. I'm, I'm, uh, if you could see the podcast. Past performance. Literally, <laughs> they're just looking at each other in the eyes. And, and I, what I can say is what's <laughs> exciting is that fortunately for your children, there is an Iron Man Marvel mask on the way to your house. Yeah, that's true. Almost as much money as I invested in cryptocurrency, I've also just invested in uh, Jim's AR mask, Iron Man mask. Which, which, I, which I can t- tell you, Pete, gave considerably more care and attention to the crypto investment as opposed to the one-click purchase of the Iron Man. Bezo has just done very well out yeah. of... Good on Amazon. One beer and then one-click buy on an on a AR Amazing. Iron Man mask. Um, Soon it'll be, you know, available in many other formats for you to one-click buy. Is it weird, that you can't spend cryptocurrency on Amazon? What, like, the biggest e-commerce platform on the planet? It's and coming. I can't use my Coinbase on it. It's coming. R- really? Yeah. Really? And you're an early adopter, Pete. <laughs> Should we get away from the early adoption of cryptocurrency and its terrible falling value, meaning that we have the most humble not... Robert Belgrave we've had in the <laughs> Alexa Stop <laughs> podcast studio that we've ever had? And should we move on to the fact that even now you're still gaining new qualifications? I am gaining new, new qualifications. I study Alexa Stop. Like, I listen to it religiously. I, I think it's amazing. I suffer from... I love podcasts because nobody can see me. I suffer from... In- crippling imposter syndrome and the last guy that was on your podcast was a real genuine professor right he was he was uh published i think over 400 times oh, crap. uh part of science the and nature 22 times his Ro- team royal society i think it was so uh, professor Solid. stephen emmett who was head of computational science for Mi- at microsoft for 14 years <sighs> just overachiever <laughs> i'm sure he's lovely and i'm sure i'll meet him at some point but talked like, his way back into walking again having uh, been told he would never walk again after spine surgery slow down dude yeah. do you know what i mean like <laughs> just leave some leave something for everyone else so pete what did that do to your imposter syndrome uh i well a ri- so the story is actually me and emma lawton went online to try and buy a doctorate and that was <laughs> i was i was I thought Dr. Pete... Dr. Trainer. Dr. Trainer. Dr. Pete was was going to be good and it would give me some credibility in the AI community because I'm dyslexic and I have no qualifications. Couldn't get one for a reasonable price. You can get them, but it was quite expensive. they are available? Oh, yeah, yeah, What are we talking? Uh, I think, like, I'm not going to name the country in in Europe because that would be 
bad for their reputation. But there yeah. are some countries in Europe that, you know, 50, 60 bucks, you're a doctor, uh, which is great. Wow. I was going to do that. I don't, know what, choose, I don't know what it means. Can like, you choose the doctorate? Uh, no, I don't. I think you're just a doctor. Okay. I, don't, I think when you pay 50 quid, it doesn't really matter what you're a doctor at. Do you know what I mean? It's like frog biology or something like that. <laughs> right. Um, anything you want. What but, would you, you know, be a doctor of, Rob? Uh, hmm. I don't know. Blockchain? Doctor of blockchain. Pete, what would you be a doctor of? Doctor of cryptocurrency. Uh, I, doctor of AI or something that made me credible? I don't know. But it doesn't matter, does it? Like, I'd just be a doctor no. of anything. Just to be a doctor uh, would be amazing. But anyway, I didn't want to spend that much money. Okay. Uh, so so I, what was your low rent alternative? Uh, so for 35 bucks, I am now the Reverend Pete Trainer. Officially. Let's have a look. Officially ordained. I have uh, in my possession... A certificate and a letter of good standing, actually, the, from the United <laughs> National Church. The rustling uh, leaves in, of paper. Pete is currently holding. Could you read your letter of good standing a, to us? A genuine laser-printed certificate. <laughs> when I found out I was coming back on Alexa Stop, I contacted a um, reputable source in Texas, at the United National Church, really lovely man, who sent me this letter, to whom it may concern. Pete Trainer is an associate pastor and ordained Christian minister with the United National Church, and we hereby consent to his or her, I'm thinking this might be a generic letter, registration with the city clerk, countess, courthouse, or state agency. Let it be known that Pete Trainer is authorised by the United National Church to solemnise, didn't even know what that meant, had to Google that, uh, marriages and perform all religious services and his or her minister's license will expire on the 30th of November 2019. So it's only a short letter. So they're looking uh, for a renewal payment in November. They, they, there year. might be yeah. some renewal payment in okay. there as well. Pastoral charge, United National Church will advise the appropriate governing body in writing of any changes in the applicant status. I will just say on the record, I did lie on the application because I don't believe in God, which I think my, and I have in my hand a certificate that says that I am now an ordained Christian reverend. So. So the, Reverend uh, Pete Trainer, you yeah. are officially Alexa Stop's first and probably last Reverend guest. I think never say never. I think I think you might get, an, uh, but you, I'm you feeling pretty proud. So right we've now. had Professor, dear, we've had a Reverend, dear insert name Reverend. We're mightily impressed. It's great, and you can you can get it. It's available online, and uh, I feel really proud. I think my kids are proud as well. And have you talked to them about it? I had a really weird conversation uh, with my son Charlie about it. He made this really strange comment. He's nine years old, and he basically said, so-and-so at school uh, says that we're all in God's hands, but I can't feel them. And I had to try and explain why he couldn't feel God's hands. And we've had these really interesting philosophical conversations about God and religion and all this kind of stuff. So then me coming home and going, I'm an ordained reverend, uh, has confused him even more. Deeply confusing. I mean, sorry to bring it back to technology. But sorry, yeah. Tech, no, no, this tech. is great. The Are you going to talk about the laser printer that <laughs> printed those certificates? No, right? I'm going to say... I think what we've talked about what does legacy look like in this area of technology? What does spirituality look like in this area of technology? In the, Good shout. I think oh, it's big. It, that is big, isn't it's it? It's changing, right? Like I think some people would almost identify science as their religion, which is a bit yep. weird. And there's a great satire on Futurama many years ago of that, where two different troops who both worship science disagree about which version of science is the right one, which sort of seems inevitable if that's the way it all goes. What do you think? Do you think, do you see... I mean, I look around me in the workplace, in my personal life, I don't see spirituality in the way I think it used to exist. What, what do you guys think? I think, Jim. Um, 
Look, I know this is dodgy ground, right? And it's no, not dodgy dis- ground. no disrespect to people who are deeply spiritual or believe in in, in religion. Yeah, I'm from but- a quite, I'm quite a religious and, and spiritual family. I, I suppose I've always been highly focused on the things that I can affect in the present, and and that's, I've, I guess that's how I've channeled my sort of positive energy, and and so I, that's 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 been always been my belief set is to look at what are the things I can affect in the world I'm currently in. Yeah. I've and never it, it, seen Jim look quite so sheepish in a response on this podcast. So I've, I'm clearly close to the bone. Pete? I don't know. You know, I don't, even my, the fact that I am a reverend now, like it's, yeah, I, I mean, I'm you, not you being. Can, you can comment officially or unofficially on this subject. Mate, I'm qualified to comment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm the only the one in the room word. that's qualified to comment. Yeah. It's not like, I'm not disrespectful for people with, you know, belief and stuff like that. But I think um, people's beliefs are changing on everything, every single day at the moment, like everything is being challenged. It's frightening, terrifying, and also really fascinating in equal measures. And I just, I, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see some, you know, interesting new religions and sciences popping up. Transhumanism, you mentioned it earlier, I just think it's a really interesting, you know, philosophical debate about what it means to be people, uh, what it means to have a legacy and so on and so forth. I like the idea if we get AI to ingest religious tomes, we can have conversations with the deities that people worship. Like, it's going to be really fascinating in the next couple of years. Do you know what I mean? That we can actually talk to the people that we worship. I just think it's a really, really fascinating time to be alive. And religion will completely change because of that. And it's not rocky ground. I think it's brilliant for everybody that has a belief system that you can communicate with something that up until now has been something that is kind of ethereal. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. It's a fascinating time. I, th- I do think the barriers may become a little broken down by technology. Jim, you want to add something? I think what I'd like to say is that it's an appropriate time of year to be talking about this. Yeah. yeah. This is our Christmas episode. And I'd like to sort of bring that back around to um, something especially festive, which is what is your perfect Christmas day? Oh, my perfect Christmas day, uh, family man. So um, watching the kids... Having a good time. Um, With their freshly purchased Iron Man AR headsets. I didn't say it was for the kids. Okay. D- did I say I bought it for my, t- my children? <laughs> that's, a, that's true. No. no. Sorry. No. They do not own a mobile phone. You need a mobile phone to slot in the visor. Okay. It's clearly true. for me. Uh, no. I, I, I love watching the kids just... I love being with the family, seeing what's going on, uh, hanging out, and also just spending a little bit of time sitting back on Christmas Day and going... God, we're lucky, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're really lucky. Um, all of us. All of us, exactly. And it's a time, I think, for a lot of people who are in really privileged situations to just sit back and go, could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. And even, you know, I just I think it's a great time of year. I am, I am a Christmas person. And uh, your biggest hope for 2019? Oh, professionally or personally? Both. Oh, Okay. Professionally, I just want to uh, keep doing the kind of work that we do and um, really trying to push the boundaries of things and people's perception of things, championing the message that, you know, it's all right for everyone to talk about uh, what's going on in their world, personal, professional, whatever, and we're going to start providing lots of really wonderful services next year for lots of wonderful charities and things like that that give people the ability to talk about things that they wouldn't normally talk to a person about. More on that next year. Can't talk about that right now. And so my hope for next year is that we continue to use AI in that way. But I think from a personal level, I just think I I really just want to keep challenging what it means to be human 
in a world that's bonkers, frankly. And it's kind of an exciting time to be around. So keep doing stuff that upsets people uh, or upsets their perception of what normal is. Keep meeting amazing people. Keep challenging the status quo. And uh, and just hanging out with good friends, drinking beer on podcasts. Lovely. That's like a Kevin McLeod moment, wasn't I mean, it? Uh, I'm touched. We could end it there and it would be a nice moment. But I think we just should round off by asking, Jim, what are your hopes and dreams of 2019? Do you know what? So it's been a big year for Manifesto this year. And the thing that over the last couple of years I've really tried to focus on is actually, a pre- it's a bit warm and fuzzy, but appreciating the people around me a bit more. And uh, I spent the first four years of starting my business really being a bit obsessive about work. And and so I'm trying to sort of appreciate everything that I've got more uh, and um, and enjoying life and enjoying the journey. So that's that's kind of me. That's my that's my hope. Uh, you know, obviously I want I want you know to do lots of amazing things. I'm hoping to do more amazing podcasts with you. Yeah. But um, but but really, it's being about being grateful for all the amazing things that are already in my life. Too small to see. No, really lovely. It's getting a bit emotional. I know. How about you, Robert? There we go. I was waiting. I'm like, <laughs> I can't just say, well, my things. Um, <laughs> One of us was going to do it at some point. <laughs> Make it my meaningful. things. Uh, my things. I, while well, I going really well, you know, really delighted to have an amazing team of people working hard and growing and moving to a new office and doing all this amazing AI work with Microsoft and AWS and all this stuff, which is great. Uh, the journey of, I was recently talking to somebody about being a CEO and the the life of running a fast-growing business. And they said, basically, what no one admits is it's like clinging on to the outside of a rocket as it takes off. And the best you can hope for is that you manage to keep hold and just cling on to the thing as it takes off. I think that's probably reasonably accurate. And so my my hope for next year is that as our rocket is really getting going again at the moment, I I hope to cling on. Uh, On a personal level, getting married next year. Woohoo! Um, and I'm going to do the service. <laughs> Reverend, uh, Reverend Trainer. He's trying to elbow Jim out of, oh. the, uh, oh. of the duties. So that's going to be great. But I don't know. For me, you know, record lots of podcasts, all that good stuff. But I still, I love how technology changes our lives as much today as I did when we started doing these recordings. I think 2019, as every year from this point onwards, frankly, is going to be even more exciting in terms of what's possible, whether it's DIY biohacking, marrying a hologram, or just recording the memories of some amazing human being and and creating a legacy that might not otherwise have lived on. So uh, for me, happy Christmas, listeners. Thank you so much for your love and support. We really are always touched by the fantastic comments that we get. This is the end of our first season of Alexa Stop. It's been a real joy. Seen us go to South by Southwest. We've done a live show a couple of times in London. Met some amazing people. And we'll be back in January with the first episode of season two with some exciting new announcements that we'll save for then. Uh, We're available on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. Please do like and subscribe. Thank you so much for your support. And goodbye. Much love. Bye, everybody. I have a question before you you, you stop. Go on. How do you consummate the marriage of a hologram? Best not to ask. Okay. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy Christmas. Yeah. Bye.